0: Welcome to the Boulder Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Davis. I hope you and yours are faring well and staying healthy during these interesting times. We have two guests for episode number 75. Arian Lewis is the founder and CEO of Kiln, a co-working space launched in Utah in 2018. Allison Kluck is the director of Kiln's newest location, coming to 21st and Pearl Street in Boulder and scheduled to open this fall. We talk about why they chose Boulder, the future of the workspace and the challenges and opportunities that the coronavirus presents to the co-working sector, and Kiln's vision for actively integrating a sense of community into the workplace. All of that and more as the Boulder Tech Podcast speaks with Arianne Lewis and Allison Cluck from Kiln.
1: When was Kiln founded? Kiln was founded in 2018. We opened our first location in Salt City in November of 2018. And then we have subsequently opened two additional locations and we have two others under construction at the moment.
2: Where are the existing
1: locations? So the existing locations are Salt Lake City. We're a Utah based startup, but we actually are going to be expanding throughout the West. So we're based in Salt Lake City, Utah. We have a location in Lehigh, Utah. Um, We're also opening up in Park City, Utah. And we just opened a second location in Lehigh the first location so well that we needed to expand. And now we're opening in Boulder, Colorado, uh, this fall on September 1st. And how did the idea for Kiln come about? Joel, my, my background is I worked in real estate for eight years coming out of college, actually in Nevada working in retirement housing. I built retirement communities. And I saw how important a community could become Granted, a tech ecosystem is very different than an ecosystem for retirees. There are some commonalities. I then went to business school in the UK. And while I was at business school, I studied co-working, actually. I saw a lot of parallels between my previous work and co-working. And I got into the tech world and joined a tech startup, actually co-founded a tech startup with a group of classmates called Tech Capital. Tech Capital was an Oxford-based startup we listed the company on the London Stock Exchange, and it did well. And after that, I was recruited by Barclays. And Barclays, as some of you may know, is a large British bank, 326 year old bank. And they were steeped in a very bureaucratic culture. They had a desire to reach out to the FinTech ecosystem, but didn't really know how. And because Tech Capital, the company I had been a part of founding, was an open innovation company, and I I had been studying open innovation as part of my graduate work. Barclays decided that what they wanted to do was employ an open innovation strategy to build new products and services with startups, and they needed a medium through which that could be done, and so we decided to build a co-working space. Uh, We built it in Mile End, East, or Whitechapel, London, If anyone listening is familiar with that part of London, it's not a very fancy part of London and very different than what Barclays was used to. Uh, But we hosted some of the very first Ethereum meetups with Vitalik. We had um, some of the earliest people in Bitcoin and blockchain were working there. Some really cool tech companies now that are large companies have come out at original location. We didn't have any air conditioning or heating. Uh, we took an old Herods uh, of East London. It was an old retail store, big old department store, and we, we refurbished it. And that was the first co-working space that I built. And from that, we launched a brand called Rise. And Rise is now a global co-working brand. It has locations in London, Tel Aviv, New York, Cape Town, South Africa, Mumbai, Vilnius, Lithuania, Manchester, England, really all over the world. And I got the experience of being able to bring a new co-working product in many cases the first co-working product to some of these markets like lithuania or cape town south africa even in mumbai we were one of the the very first movers so this experience gave me the chance to see how co-working was evolving globally because we were in the major markets like london and new york and tel aviv where you're surrounded by the big competitors i had several meetings with adam newman and met with many of the founders of some of the largest co-working companies in the world now and realized that this is really what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Uh, We had built a successful brand with Barclays. It's now still operating and growing. And I decided that it was time to step away and build my own thing.
2: And so now you've got a number of locations in Utah. You're opening this location in Boulder Is your first This is your first outside of Utah location, correct? Why did you choose Boulder for
1: that? So Boulder is exactly who we want to be as a brand. It's a lifestyle-oriented market. It's got great tech. It's got a wonderful... The ethos of Boulder is just on point with who we are as a company. And really, we want to help build the brand out of Boulder. So we see a lot of opportunity to not only come and be a part of the Boulder community, but to actually take some of the best things that Boulder creates in terms of its culture and community and export them to other locations like Utah and California, Colorado, other locations in Colorado and throughout the West Coast. We're, we're growing throughout the West. Let's talk about community
2: for a minute. There's Boulder's community, and I want to hear a little bit more about your thoughts about what about Boulder's community attracts you. But, but community is also a big part of the Kiln Foundation, it's something you really want to promote. It's not just a building with a bunch of businesses paying rent to you to do their work there. You really want to create something bigger or at least more cohesive than that. And talk about that a little bit. What, what What are your thoughts on community? What does it mean to you? And what does community in Boulder specifically
1: mean to you? Okay. Well, so one of the things that I experienced as I went to Cape Town or Mumbai or New York or Tel Aviv is whilst cultures do change, there are some underlying principles that really unite people everywhere. And the thing that really brings people together is when they have the ability to share their own creativity and add value to somebody else or something else. So I saw in Cape Town, for example, people in tech, helping people uh, who didn't have a programming background to build apps and applications for women in townships in South Africa. I saw people in Mumbai who were in the finance industry, but that didn't really know anything about tech, work with tech companies to help them build products or applications that could be utilized in the finance industry. And it's when this creative process occurs, people are really expressing something uh, that's deeper than a technical expertise, they're expressing a part of their own creativity and humanity and when people are building things together and expressing that humanity with one another they bond and those bonds can be really wonderful and meaningful and i think that's really at the heart of what community is it's creating things together and so what boulder has done extraordinarily well is create an environment and a culture where people enjoy building things together and see themselves as a part of a community so i actually came and lived in boulder last summer with my family. We lived just off of 23rd and Pearl. Mm-hmm. And so we rode our bike into the downtown every day. My kids loved the Earth Man. I don't know what his name was, but we called him the Earth Man. If, you, if you've if you been to Boulder, you probably know who I'm talking to All the street performers become uh, characters that my kids loved. And we spent a lot of time on, on the avenue. We spent a lot of time biking and getting to know the parks and found that when you bring people and nature and community together, it's really beautiful. And what we found really lovely about Boulder is how unpretentious it was. People care about what people think and not about how much money they've made or how fancy their car is or how uh, big their home is. It's not a very materialistic approach to life in the way that you might find in places like, um, well, I shouldn't mention any other places, but other places in the West where you do measure your, success by how blingy your rims are or how big your square footage of your house is, etc. So what I loved about Boulder was how creative, the ingenuity, the free thinking uh, had a lot of the same attributes of other great places that have created tremendous innovation in, in the U.S. like um, the Bay or San Francisco area.
2: So what does Kiln have to offer to Boulder that is not being offered by galvanize or we work or the other millions of co-working spaces that are out there right now.
3: I will speak to that. And I think it's kind of an extension of what Arian had mentioned previously and kind of why Boulder. One thing that I love about the community is that there's a ton of like-minded people that maybe if they know it or not, they're all kind of working towards one goal and one commonality in Boulder. We see pillars and elements of sustainability, wellness, For example, one thing that we do at Kiln, we really feel that for these early stage companies, if they're in a space when they're with and surrounded by a lot of people that are like-minded, that it really inspires them to be their best selves and to really put their best foot forward and not only be there for their company, but maybe the one neighboring them in that private office next door to them. So I think that's one thing that really sets Kiln apart in terms of other organizations in the market. And I know that that's something that Arian feels really strongly about as well. I mean, it's part of our mantra that you know, that we accelerate these, these companies and it's through connections made and collisions made that they wouldn't find elsewhere in a traditional lease, for example.
2: Is Kiln providing, when you say you accelerate the companies, are you providing any guidance to the companies beyond just the physical space that you're providing them and uh, everything that comes with that?
1: In general, no. Kiln itself is not performing the role of an incubator and accelerator like Techstars would be. But what we are doing is we're hosting a variety of events and forums where there's a lot of shared learning. So outside of a pandemic, Kiln has traditionally hosted 20 to 30 events a month, bringing in experts from all around the community. And this is one of the things that really sets Kiln apart is that Kiln will become a a place of gathering for the community. You do have some other locations in Boulder, like Galvanize, which have had a really great role in learning and teaching tech. But we see our brand more as a performance and lifestyle brand that's really designed to help and enable the companies that are based at Kiln to perform at their highest level, bringing them resources, connectivity, and events that really add value to their, either their strategy or to the lifestyle of their employees.
2: Are you looking for a particular type of member to bring into Kiln? You mentioned in your press release about your Boulder location, that Kiln curates its members. So I take it that company X can't just come in and say, hey, we want it, we need space. Here's our deposit. We can cover the rent. You know, when do we move yeah. in? That's not how yep. it
1: works at Kiln. I That's correct. We focus on tech companies primarily. We also invite cool creative groups into the community. But we really wanna make it a great community for tech. We also want to make it a good community for ancillary businesses that support tech. So I'll give you some examples of things that we don't traditionally do. So we aren't really a great place for an MLM business, for example. In Utah, you've got a lot of MLMs, and we don't have MLMs at Kiln. We're cautious about the characters and the kinds of people that we invite into Kiln because we wanna make sure that it's communal and collaborative and friendly and that we, uh, that we have the right kind of characters. And so a lot of what we do is we screen for people, not just for the business or the business model, but for the kind of people that we want to be a part of the community. And once you get a good core of people, then it sort of naturally generates and builds itself. And so in the early phases of building a, a new community, we, we're really cautious about who we invite in so that we can create a good core of, of members and then build from there.
2: So... You're bringing in this particular type of membership to create this community,
1: and we have we have roughly a thousand members right now. Just so you're aware, okay. Um, so we've got about a thousand individuals that call Kiln home in one way or another here in Utah. Wow, that's impressive. Have you started yeah. spaces in Boulder yet? Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. We just started. So anybody that's interested can contact Allison. Uh, her email, I'm going to give it out. Allison k at kiln co
2: at what percent of capacity are you for boulder right now
1: we're just starting our marketing process so we've only signed up a few members so we're in the very early phases we plan to open on september 1st
2: i just took a ride by your location the other
1: day and you still got a little work to do to hit that date looks like it's it's been a two-year project joel this is the longest most complicated project i've ever been a part of and uh, we've put a lot of heart and soul, a tremendous amount of love into that building. Mm-hmm. It's actually seven buildings that are being combined into one on Pearl Street in Boulder. So as you can imagine, doing anything in Boulder is challenging candidly because the city is very protective about what gets done in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing it during the midst of a pandemic is even more complicated. so
2: yeah, as somebody who just finished a basement renovation that took over a year,
1: I can relate. Yeah. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is. But what's lovely is it's a repurposing of some buildings in Boulder that each one of them has a story. One was a futon store. One was a place where people were building furniture. One was a collective of artists and one was a yoga studio. One was a plumber shop. So they all have a story and a history to them. And they're owned by a gentleman who's born and raised in Boulder. and And one of the Most notable developers in Boulder, candidly, a person who puts a lot of time and investment into repurposing beautiful older buildings. And uh, I think that when people feel the character of this space and the history behind it, they're going to realize how how unique and special it is. Who's the owner? John Reynolds.
2: So You're about two years into this and you have got big plans for opening this fall in Boulder and then coronavirus hits. How is that affecting things?
1: Well, I'll just say that our approach has been to be very proactive with our members as it relates to COVID. So we immediately reached out to every single member and we've had regular ongoing conversations to help each member navigate through this. In some cases, it's uh, meant that they've, that they've discontinued their membership at Kiln, or we've worked through discounts. But about 70% of our members have stuck with us and have continued to utilize Kiln to some degree throughout COVID. We also set our minds at work in terms of developing new solutions. So we've implemented more than 20 new solutions into Kiln, including a very compelling technology from a company called RGF, which is a plasma and UVC technology that goes into the HVAC systems that's able to neutralize a sneeze within three feet. So 98 or 99% of the germs, depending on the technology that we use, can be neutralized within three feet by using an ionized, friendly oxidizer technology that goes into our HVAC systems. It's high-end, it's military and hospital-grade. It's totally friendly, and it's been in use for more than 20 years. It was used against the SARS and H1N1 epidemics in China. And it's available commercially, but because of the cost, a lot of folks don't go after it. But we've implemented that. We've also implemented an antimicrobial brass key system. All of the doors, at kiln, or any common touch points can be uh, accessed using a brass key, so you don't actually have to physically touch anything. We also, of course, are taking precautions in addition to that in terms of additional cleanings, modifications to our food and beverage, the use of masks in some areas. And so there's lots of ways that we can keep people safe. And candidly, over the last three months, we did have one individual at the very beginning of the epidemic who got sick and he had been to kiln, but we have not really had any other issues with 1,000 people We have no cases of community spread in our space. We've had zero issues with like a team working together, multiple members of a team getting sick. None of that has happened. So we've been fortunate, I guess you'd say. And some of it is just proper engineering and good planning to make sure that when people come to work, they're safe.
2: As someone who, you know, both of you, I'm sure, are talking to representatives from a lot of different companies these days. What's the range of, I guess, the temperature of these companies in terms of COVID and wanting to come back to being in a, in a community space, not just with their own businesses, but then you know, where they can at least have some semblance of, I know what my employees and coworkers are doing, but I have no idea what the company across the room is doing. So I'm just curious what the business feeling is out there.
3: I think I'll touch on that briefly. Um... Now, as Erin discussed a lot of kind of the, the notions and actions that we're taking as a business against COVID or, you know, to safeguard COVID, what is more of almost an interesting conversation is um, how the narrative of flex office space and, and co-working has kind of come to light at this time. And it's it's really interesting to navigate and how it falls, you know, concurrently with the opening of our Boulder site. So it's just interesting to kind of get a pulse on, you know, really what our current member companies need and how they're continuing to reevaluate what their needs will be like over the course of, say, the next six months, the next year, really taking into consideration the impact that COVID has not only had on them personally, but also in their day-to-day office life. In terms of gauging the temperature, I I think it's really difficult because companies aren't only speaking from the standpoint of, say, their their founder or CEO, but also the concerns of, of every individual on their team. So they're not taking these decisions lightly on how to implement kind of a uh, reface back to work strategy. So I think, um, and, and also the, the cadence at which communities uh, are coming back to work is, is quite different. So say, for example, Boulder, I think is, is moving maybe one or two months behind the Utah market. So the way in which these companies are integrating back into the office looks a little different and it's a little bit more segmented. So those trends will be really interesting kind of as we continue to have these conversations with, with companies that are considering Kiln and, and co-working as, as a huge strategy as they decide what they want to do with their traditional
1: lease. Yeah, I think it's the death of traditional lease in my mind. I just don't see why or how a, a company that's even big companies right now, it's hard to see five years into the future. So signing a long-term lease is going to become increasingly challenging for companies, but the need to collaborate is still going to be high. So I don't see remote work replacing the office. I see it demanding more flexibility from the office. So the office needs to be more flexible. When you do come to the office, the quality of the experience needs to be high and there needs to be a good deal of space to collaborate. And the purpose of the office is going to change slightly because people are going to be able to do some activities from home more effectively, potentially, but they're still going to want to connect with their team. So the future could look like you know somebody working remotely from home maybe two days a week or three days a week and coming into the office two or three days a week and uh, using the office for the kinds of collaboration, meeting times, et cetera, that are really effective when done in person and then using the home office for the kinds of deep work or potentially undistracted work, provided you don't have too many distractions at home, which depends on your personal circumstance. But the the home office or the home may have a purpose as well. The other thing is that remote work is gonna enable tons of flexibility. So firms that you may be living in San Francisco and paying an astronomical amount in rent, you might find that you'd rather live out in Colorado and commute in to meet with a smaller team of your colleagues in Boulder so we'll see how, how that changes the patterns of work in the big metropolitan areas and how that impacts suburbia.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest, maybe the biggest part of not going to the office is just not seeing the faces, you know, being in the presence of my friends and coworkers every day and, you know, we have a, a Zoom call every day and we check in and so it's not like we're, we've lost touch or anything. I still feel connected to everyone, but there's just that sense of in person camaraderie, spontaneity, ideas popping up when you just go take a walk or go get a cup of coffee or something. Who knows what can happen in those little things. So I, it almost feels like that's kind of the big part of the fabric of what's missing in this whole, you know, how pandemic has changed the work life is just how we work socially, I guess.
1: Yeah. You don't get the same moments of humor. You don't get the same spontaneous sort of little times when you're connecting with somebody. I don't know if, if you could count on even hand how many times you felt an endorphin release while you're on a Zoom call. Because <laughs> it's hard, right? I mean, yeah. you get Zoomed out. You get Zoomed out. And what's amazing about these very fortunate economies that we work in is that for many of us, it's not just about putting a roof over our heads, which is, we're fortunate and blessed to be able to say that. It's really about us expressing our own, you know, ingenuity and creativity. And when we're creating with one another, when we're creating together, that's when we feel deep satisfaction. And it's just harder to do virtually.
2: Just, yeah. harder. just to zoom out for a minute, maybe that's a potential opportunity that, is being provided by this situation is that we've all been forced to kind of slow down a little bit and can maybe take a step back and see what's important in the work thing and see how, yeah, actually I can get a lot of work done at home on my own, but the thing that I'm really missing is those connections with people being in their presence and, you know. We see each other on Zoom and it's great, but then you see each other in person and not only is it great, it's just like the realization of how great it is to really like, wow, it is really
1: great to see you. Exactly. So to Allison's point, Joel, this is where Kiln gets really interesting Mm -hmm. and candidly, other coworking companies as well because you may say, Joel, your company, I don't know how big your company is, but let's say you're from a team of 50 people.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, Mm
1: -hmm. you may not need an office that's, Perfect for 50 people to be there all the time. You might need an office where you have 10 desks, and you rotate in and out of those desks. But then you really use the meeting rooms and the collaborative space a lot more. So you might come in at noon and have lunch with your team, and do a big brainstorm or workshop session from lunchtime until three o'clock. And then a few of you might work from the office. If you're a millennial, by the way, and you're more likely to be in an apartment, you're probably really unhappy, you know, in your second bedroom or, you know, with your roommate shouting in their Zoom calls from their bedroom, or if you're a young parent and you've got a three-year-old who doesn't understand that you're on a Zoom call, it just may not be ideal to be at home. So there will still be the purpose for having an office, but it may be that your team of 50 needs something more flexible. And it could be that one year, it's going to be that all 50 people are working together because you're really trying to launch a product. And the next year maybe it only needs to be 25 people in the office and so having something that's highly flexible that works as your company has its ebbs and flows is going to be really important and i think that that's where kiln and candidly other co-working companies are going to really shine
2: so you're looking to open september 1st here in boulder do you have any big grand opening events planned that you can tell us about
3: i would say we have we have a little something in the works We'll let
1: you know, Joe. You'll be the first on the invite list. All right, good. I'll tell you, I'm going to give a little more of a hint there. Okay. We want Kiln to be a place where great conversations happen. And so what we'll probably do is instead of a big grand opening event, we'll probably curate small events with smaller groups of people where where we can do it in a safe way Mm -hmm. and where we can have really great conversations about things that matter. And that's kind of how we're going to take our opening
2: forward. Interesting. What else would you like listeners to
1: know about Kiln? Well, in general, Kiln is a, is a performance and lifestyle brand. So we look at success through the lens of, are we enabling our members to perform at a higher level? And how do we measure that? Meaning, are they more effective in their work as a result of being based at Kiln? And then the second thing is, is their life as an individual. So we look at the productivity of the team and their productivity as a worker, but we also look at how they're doing as an individual in terms of their life. And so we're a lifestyle brand as well. We focus on wellness and well-being, physical and emotional and mental well-being. We also look at, are they feeling like they're able to express the very best of who they are? And that touches on, have we created a community that celebrates diversity and inclusion? Have we created a community where people can really express themselves in their very best way? And have we given them the tools and the environment to do that? And you're going to find that at a purely physical level, in order to achieve those two sort of pillars of lifestyle and performance, physically, we build in amenities that are far superior to our competitors. So for example, you've got a beautiful theater. You've got deep workrooms, You've got wellness rooms and um, a refresh room. You have showers. We're going to have clubs that focus on things like healthy and good cooking, or biking, or mountaineering. We're going to do things like yoga and meditation and mindfulness. We have um, a little podcast room going in. All of these things in a space that's only 22,000 square feet. So the, the amount of amenity space within Kiln, and I didn't mention the cafe and some of the other cool amenities that are going to be there also but all of those amenities are going to a relatively small space comparative to some of our competitors and so the 300 odd people that will have a membership at kiln are going to have a very high quality experience and be able to utilize a lot of different amenities you know on a daily basis as compared to other co-working spaces
3: yeah so just just to add on that I think it's amazing when you step into kiln and you see our amazing array of amenities but one of the most important things that we want to drive home are those intangibles uh, in terms of those, you know, the daily connections you're making with your coworkers and those not necessarily associated with your brand, just because it, you're in an environment where you go to a lunch and a learn and, and you may take away something, they can back to your team and just kind of those like aha moments. I, I feel like they they happen more organically in a space where you feel inspired and, and happy and light and energetic. So that's something that I'm really proud of with the Kiln brand. And I'm hoping that that's something where we find success in, in Boulder and can really help these early stage companies continue to grow with Kiln. So that's something that we're, that we're really excited about. And naturally our podcast studio for you, Joel, you're welcome to, to host on there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, we should <laughs> talk about that. Uh, going back to what you were saying, Arian, about you know checking in with your community to make sure they're satisfied on a personal and a professional level. How do you measure those things?
1: It's a good question. We're a young company, and so we're still figuring that out. Right now, we meet with our members on a quarterly basis, and we have a questionnaire that we take them through. So our community team does that. You know, We ask them very specific questions about their well-being, about the well-being and performance of their team, about any things that are inhibiting that or helping to accelerate their performance. And then we make changes based on that feedback. So we found that in-person interviews with our members on a quarterly basis is the best way to get the feedback that we need to keep evolving our product and service.
2: Anything else you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, I think um, there's only a few resources that are super precious and that you can't buy. To a degree you can, but you can't in many ways. And that is space and time. Now, COVID has taught us that we can be spending time with people, but the difference of spending them, time with them in a quality environment versus a non-quality environment and online, by the way, nothing's more brutally painful than a choppy Zoom call, right? It's just like so exhausting. Physically though, if we're in a really wonderful environment, the quality of, of our time and the experience we're having with other people is elevated as well. And so because you can only be in one place at one time, it's really important to make that place and time count. And we obsess over that. It is all that we think about. Literally, Joel, it'll be midnight, and I'll be trying to fall asleep, and I've got this idea on my mind. I'm writing it down next to my bed, or I'm in the shower. Maybe that's too much disclosure. Or I'm, I'm hiking, or I'm doing anything in my life. We are just obsessive about getting this experience right for when people are together at the same place at the same time that they can really connect in the right way. And that's what we're gonna do extraordinarily well in Boulder. And Boulder cares about that. You know, Some people care about you know, how big my desk is or something more physical or less important, candidly. Boulder really values connectivity and people and time. And they don't care if you're wearing flip-flops or if you've got a fancy bag on your shoulder. It doesn't matter to them. What matters is the quality of the content and the conversation and the connection. And that's what we're gonna do very well.
2: Well, I think uh, in these times, as we do start to come out of our bunkers here and gather again, and what will hopefully be safety—you know, a relative sense of safety—these kinds of questions about the quality of that time, and you know, because part of the spread of this disease is t- is duration and time spent exposed to other people. So we're really going to be picking those times a lot more carefully. I would suspect or expect and it looks like Kiln's already kind of had a head start on
1: that kind of thinking. So, uh, That's a good point, Joel. I mean, we've all asked ourselves the question, is it worth us spending time with somebody given the risk? Mm-hmm. Right? We've asked ourselves that question over the last couple of months, but we really don't ever get the minute back that just passed. It never comes back to us. Yeah. And so if we're going to spend that time, we want it to be quality. And uh, I'm really excited, Joel, to, to bring you through Kiln. And uh, to show you how we, we're going to create this high quality experience, one that has candidly come after many years of, of work and, and experience. I didn't mention this before, but Lee Radford, our creative director, has been designing and developing co-working space for 12 years. He's based out of London. Our design team is based out of London. So uh, he's been working on this problem for 12 years and we've got another lifetime ahead of us to figure this out. But it's, it's a really exciting journey because it's one that really matters.
2: Well, it does sound exciting, and I'm very curious to see uh, how it all plays out here in Boulder. I want to see how that building looks. I'm a big fan of architecture. Uh, but I just want to see how the building looks and see what you guys do and see how it all plays out. So let me be one of the first, probably not the first, to welcome you to Boulder. And we'll stay in touch and see how things progress at Kiln. Thank you. Arian Lewis and Allison Cluck from Kiln. Thank you very much. Cheers.
3: Thank you so much for having us, Joel.
2: Take care.
0: That was Arianne Lewis and Alison Cluck from Kiln. Learn more at kiln.co and follow the company on Twitter at Meet at Kiln. The Boulder Tech Podcast is made possible in part by Glider, a Colorado-based community movement and nonprofit that produces Boulder's Ignite and TEDx events, as well as Boulder's Startup Week. Learn more and consider a donation at glider.com. Our intro music is by Echodeck. Hear more at echodeck.com. That's E-C-C-O-D-E-K. Our outro music is by Earthrise Sound System. You'll find them at earthrisesoundsystem.com. The Boulder Tech Podcast is produced by me, Joel Davis. Your feedback, criticisms, comments, and guest suggestions are welcome. Reach me at joel at dojo4.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here for the next episode of the Boulder Tech Podcast.